This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. It's complete bullshit. All right, I'd like to introduce today's host of After the Whistle, Thomas Vanek. Take it away. Oh, welcome. Episode 120. Here we go. <laughs> See how easy that is, Rip? <laughs> Doesn't well, you take- know what? I'm going to tell you. These guys, I'm glad they're on today. I'm, t- I'm glad that Thomas Fanick and Brian Gianta have an opportunity to see the shit that I have to deal with day in and day out before every single show. Gentlemen, help me out here. Is this, is this what this is what PD is Go like ahead, boys. before every show? Go ahead. Pile, pile on. I fucking dare Whoa. you. I mean, <laughs> this doesn't seem like a partnership. <laughs> I am. I we just are literally here. the NHL and NHLPA in 0405. That's who we are right now. I, I'm just happy to be, you know, here every day at, uh, you know, nine ten o'clock. And, you know, I, I work for Andrew Peters. <laughs> yeah. He's, Love uh, that you got the golf shirt on already. Like you're going to drop the microphone <laughs> and headphones and you're going to be on the golf course within 10 well, minutes. Listen, of the show I mean, ending. I haven't. No, I don't even want to put this out there. Weeks. Show them the shirt you have on, you little fucking sellout. Show them the shirt you have on. Show them. Show them. <laughs> <laughs> what a vault. Free is for me. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm going to try and go hit some balls uh, later on today. I haven't hit balls in three, two, two three weeks now. So. You're yeah, not wearing I mean, that shirt to the golf course, are you? Absolutely. Got no, you're not. He's going to sweat right through that within 10 minutes, and he's going to have to change shirts. We quit our old show because we got fucked, and he still wears the gear. That's like, you didn't get fucked. You talk about It's our decision to move. It's not them. All right. Not on them. Wear the don't, shirt. Uh, don't, have, don't have the hate. What's going on, boys? Not too much. Just let's, let's, what, what's the topic today here? Let's go. Well, let's our boy, cooking. our boy Riv is supposed to be doing the rundowns here. So what do you got? That's that's not true. Like uh, we do this all the time. This is this is what you do. Your fucking job is to host the guy. I'm prepared. Show I'm 100 prepared. prepared. Well, listen, throw You're anything prepared, you want at me. Never, no one ever is prepared on this show because this all in your little hamster wheel in your brain. So I don't know what we're talking about. You want to talk about the the the, the game last night that I damn near almost shut off, and then they scored fucking <laughs> two goals to tie it three three, and now I got to stay up and watch it. Rip and I were on the phone last night, going back and forth about who's going to bed, who has to watch the game, <laughs> who's watching the game. Are you watching the game or am I watching the game? And and as soon as I go to hang up. And and get off the phone. It's like three three, and you're sitting there, and you're like, Jesus Christ! Now we got to watch the game. Do you remember I, the I text still, I, I sent last asleep. night? I fell asleep though. I uh, sent the text last night to you guys to kind of like get you all interested in the game. Like this game's unbelievable. This game's unbelievable. No, no, no. It was you know for again my irritation level and watching the game again. Like, can you explain to me the call? On Tampa Bay, they they're already killing, you know, a five on four. And now you have Shirelli that takes that penalty. And I'm watching the penalty. I'm like, how in God's name can a referee in the Stanley Cup Finals make this call? Why is it not a call on Kale McCarr for like literally diving? I don't know. I don't know that it was a dive. I think it's like 
It wasn't yeah, a penalty. Best defenseman it, in it the was, world. Eh? It was best not a penalty in the world. Go take right, a look listen. at it twenty times, Gio. Yeah, his his leg got hit. He lost his footing. It's not a trip, even if they're five on five. What I had the problem with is why was it called so late? Why was it a delayed like reaction call? You know what I mean? Like because Sorelli got the puck, then all of a sudden it was a. If Makar gets up and grabs the puck, it was going to be no penalty. But Sorelli gets it in the neutral zone and. All of a sudden, it's going to be a call against them. That was my issue with it. I didn't think it was a call at all. It should not have been. Yeah, and I agree with it, it changed. It changes the momentum of that game. Like shit. All of a sudden, now it's three one. Right. I think Gio said it perfectly. I don't think that was a dive at all. I don't think he's that type of player. I don't think he's a diver. I think he lost his footing there for a quick second. And I think what happened is, you know, why was delayed because the refs. That's a superstar call. He probably realized, you know, it took him one two thousand two thousand, and he was like, "Oh my God, that was Makar. Oh, I better call it." <laughs> I mean, if that's not Makar, if that's Eric Johnson, that's not a that's. I think that's a superstar call. You believe that's, that too? If that's, don't Craig, you, man. if that's Craig Ravey grabbing the puck and falling all over himself, there's no call. <laughs> Here's the thing: if that was Craig Ravey, he's not falling there because now I had to stand up. That's it's a horse. You would have pinched probably. You wouldn't have been out there, actually. It was a five-on-four already. (laughs) That's a bad example. (laughs) Tough day, eh, Riv? I love having these guys on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, But how about the overtime goal? Who stayed up for it? Did anyone of you guys? No, I fell asleep between the third and OT. No, That was a great play. No, I mean... That was that's that's why that's how you want overtime to end on a good goal, and it was a great goal. I thought great pass by uh, Nishushkin, and then Burakovsky just buried that. Yeah, is there it, when you watch that game last night? There was a lot of talk on social media um, just about the altitude. I mean, I I don't know about you guys, but I I remember my first time ever being in Colorado, and guys saying, "Wait till you go out on the ice; it's it's brutal out there." And I'm just thinking, like, how bad can it be? And then I remember. Uh, I was a healthy scratch that night and we skated and I, it felt like a 10 minute skate. We'd been out there for an hour. So Tampa Bay has been playing, you know, sea level for the, for the last month and a half. I mean, that's gotta be a major disadvantage. And for those people who don't, don't understand that altitude is a massive difference. Massive. It's a real thing there. And like I've said before, Calgary, Calgary is sneaky hard because you don't think of it, right? Like Colorado, you know, Calgary, you're just not thinking of it. And you get out there. And when I say within 15, 20 seconds, you are like winded and your legs are heavy and you're like, what the hell just happened to me? And then you got to go back and recover. And again, 15, 20 seconds, you're like, oh, shit. Well, here's the thing. You can't recover. That's that's the whole thing. You know, the start of the game, you feel okay. You, you have your 45-second shift. You get back to the bench. Normally, in a different spot, different city, you could recover quickly, go back on the ice. You feel like you're 100% again. When you, when you come back on the ice in Colorado and places like that, you never feel like you actually get back to 100%. And as the game goes on, once you hit like the third period, I mean, it feels like your, your, your tank never gets past like three quarters. I mean, it just—it's a fatigue factor over time where you just don't—you—you you, you don't recover quick enough, and that's—that's that's probably one of the biggest things that I—I I, I remember. 
well, if you get stuck out, if, too, if, no, no. If you get stuck out there for one of your long shifts where you're out there for like a minute and a half, done. you're done for the game. Done. Well, that's the thing. You don't recover is, is the biggest thing with the, with the altitude. The first What's 30 it? seconds of a shift is not a problem, just like every other city. And then beyond that, it just goes downhill really, really quickly. What's the acclimation period? Like, so tap has been there for a few days, right? Like, it's not like when we flew in, you're there for a night, you play your game and you fly out. How long does it take for them to get up to speed? You know I mean, they've been there, what, three, four days. Are they acclimated yet? Like, do you get to that point within that period of time? Or is it like a week, week and over? I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, I only had to worry about three minutes a night. I can't, I, I can't, I can't imagine what you guys had to deal with out there in Colorado. I don't know, but do you guys, do you think that was the difference of the game? Like the Tampa couldn't recover quick enough. I mean, maybe I, the, I don't know. Maybe the start, maybe the start. I think they're the sluggish for that, for sure. Maybe the start, I think. For sure. I don't know. I think, was it the start? Or I, I think the apps came out and they started lights out again, you know, shooting every puck and then. You know, getting that early goal, I think that gives you energy, the fans. So I don't know if it's that much altitude. I think, you know, the I, half started really well. And then once they got the lead, it's the same. It reminded me of the St. Louis series. What was a game five, I think, where they had the lead. And then they slowly played a different game and gave it away. That's what it looked game one like last night. So I think that's where the apps have to learn quickly that you can't let a team like Tampa hang around. I mean, at three, one, they got to go out and not sit back go go get the fourth go get the fifth especially with you know Kemper in that I mean I hate to say it I think I played with Kemper I think he's a really good goalie but he's never been in a situation like that I think when they get up they got to go and get that three four goal lead to to really feel safe it almost feels like that's where you have to get these days almost four goals with all these playoffs you see these three goal comebacks it's the scoring's been insane but you know I, I watched last night and at two at 3-1, I'm thinking, oh, my God, Colorado's going to absolutely pound them. Pound them. And then right. and then it was just like snap of the fingers. You have the, you know, the two the two-time Stanley Cup champs, you know, tying it up. And I I don't know, man. I, Do you I think Tampa played well, though? Like we were talking last night and we were, you know, they were, you know, into the second period, I think it was. And I had said that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think Tampa played well. I don't think Tampa defended well. Their defensemen were a little off. I don't think that uh, they had all of their forwards going. Where was Corey Perry last night? Did he play? This guy in every series that he's played in this year has been an absolute monster. He's been a factor. He's a thorn in everyone's side. He's on the power play. He's doing all the things that it takes to win. Okay? I didn't see him at all last night. Where was Ross Colton? Where's Alex Kalorn? You need these guys to, to step it up because the way that they played last night against a team in, in, in Colorado that not only has the star power that is going to produce eventually, you know, they had their second tier guys, uh, Nutushkin, uh, Borieski, you know, they had guys or um, what's his name? Who scored the winner? Burakowski. Burakowski. Like, oh, <laughs> these guys, these guys are stepping up. Fucking not They're even on the up. team. Well, Colton, right. Colton's been a little dry for a bit now. Like he's in these playoffs, he's been a little dry. They got to get going for sure. Their depth, but like Van said, 
I, I don't know that altitude was a factor, but it, it certainly creates an issue within your mental state, your physical state within the game. You just don't feel comfortable out there. And when you don't feel comfortable, you're not doing your normal things. And that's where I think Tampa was last night. They just weren't at the top of their game. They're okay. They just didn't have that little extra that that they normally do. They hung Is around. They made it a game. It, I don't. I don't know. It could be fatigue. You're you're facing a a hell of a opponent too. But it's fatigue. It's it's a little of everything. I, th- I think it's just comfort level getting into the series. Game one, you know, is always a kind of wild card because both teams are just trying to feel themselves out in the in the series, see where it's going to go, how the matchups are going to be, how physical it will be, what type of series is it going to be. So all those happen in game one and game two, and then it really becomes a series after that. Well, where Colorado should be concerned is if Rivs is sitting here asking if Tampa played very well or not. They still could have won that game. Yeah, like T- Tampa listen, could have won that game. What did you think yeah, of Braden Point sure. yesterday? I watched them like a hawk. Have my thoughts. Um, noticed noticed one thing that stood out to me. But tell me what your thoughts, because he's a big piece of this puzzle. Like he is a world class talent. Um, what did you think of his game last night? I just don't think he has that extra gear yet. You know, like he's, he's certainly still hurting. There's no doubt. He's not a hundred percent. I think he can still be a factor in the series, but he's not going to be the point of what he was before the injury where he's flying around, making things happen. I just don't think he had that extra gear. Like he was just guarded in the way he was skating for sure. He just not a hundred percent. But with that being said, he's still a good player and he's going to be able to make things happen, but it's just not to a level that you expect point to be at. I think Gio said it perfectly. I think he's, he's going to be a factor for sure. Or he's going to have to be a factor if they're going to come back and win. But I think Braden point when he's that X factor, he's fast. He, he's, he's sneaky fast. And I think that, that, that first two steps, you can tell it's probably his groin hip flexor, whatever was injured. It's just not quite there yet. He never but. looked like he he never looked like he made a full one hundred percent stride. Like right. he he moved around the ice smoothly, watching him turn and twist and 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 make some strides. He looked like he was going eighty percent. The other thing that I noticed is one thing that you can say about you know point is that. Not only does he score goals, he kills penalties, he's a draw guy, but he's also an energy guy. He's not just this superstar, you know, that, you know, floats around the ice and controls the game. He's extremely physical. I didn't see him make a hit the whole entire night. And I don't know if that's part of him, you know, not quite being 100% yet and trying to feel his way through that game to see where he's at, but. He's going to have to elevate that game. So let me ask you something then, guys. Why why do they play him 18 minutes? Oh, he's he's still going to be good good for you. Exactly. He's still going to be good for you. Like, you're... you're, I want him at 80% over a lot of other guys in the league. You know what I mean? And he's still going to be a hell of a player for your team. But I think if you expect him to be what he was before the injury, like, what's it? How long has it been? Six weeks? four, six weeks, somewhere in that range. Yeah. And 
one, his condition is not up. Two, he's clearly guarding whatever the lower body injury that he was with, that he had. So he, he's not skating at optimal. So a lot of hitting, finishing checks, wasting that energy is in part to guarding the injury and not wanting to overextend it. And maybe he, his fitness level isn't to where he needs it to be. He's at that 80%, so he doesn't have that extra bit to give right now. My biggest takeaway, and I said this when Tampa was still playing at a Rangers series when we were talking about what, what is a better matchup, I, I still come back to the, the Avs, D-man. They can move. I mean, McCarr pushes the pace. The Byram kid pushes the pace. And I think that's where you see, you know, you mentioned earlier, the Coltons, the Perrys. I don't think they can establish their game because forechecking those guys is extremely hard. They're trying to forecheck, but guess what? Those guys can skate. They get to the puck first. They break it out. They're chasing the game. So somehow I think Tampa is going to have to find a way to carry the puck in and not dump on that, especially those guys. They're going to have to carry it in because I don't think the dump and chase is going to work against those guys. It's just, I mean, Taves, they can all skate. They're all smart. They use each other. And when you can't establish those guys, and that's why, you know, I said Nick Paul, I thought, had a good game. But many times he, he got to the forecheck. By the time he got there, it was a little reverse. Boom, and they're out, and he's back-checking again. Well, he, lo- he, he looks slow. Corey he, Perry well, looks slow. You know, a lot of guys yeah. look slow when you put them next to Byron, McCarr, Taves, <laughs> yeah. and so on. That's, that's the, and I said that's the matchup right? nightmare for those guys. Yeah, yeah. But is you that know, the listen, Byron I mean, kid who 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 was unbelievable for Canada at the World Juniors a few years ago, a couple years ago? Yeah, yep. that's him, right? Yep. And it's interesting. He left the team um, for for a, a period of time this year. He left the team. I think I read an article that his dad had some comments that you know he's we're going to bring him home. We're going to get him healthy. I think, did he, and I, I can't even speculate on this. I don't know what he had, but did he not have maybe some concussion issue or something yes. like that? Along yeah, I think he's, he's a young kid, and I think it is what, he's only played two, three years, and I think he's, he's had five concussions, and I think the last one, he came back early, didn't feel good, and I think that's when he went home, and I think he was gone for four or five weeks. Yeah, yeah. Which, Wait, his you know, his listen, dad stepped in and brought him home? I think the family, I think the kid was not doing well. He's mm-hmm. by himself. So I think, you know, the team allowed this player to, to go back home and, and uh, you know, get healthy at home. It's his second year in the league. He played 19 games last year. This year he played 30 games, had uh, five goals and 17 points. Um <laughs> And you know he's 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 a young guy. He's twenty one years old. He's twenty one. Ben, he's had five concussions. I I, I want to say it was something Holy in that shit, range, man. you know. Yeah. So, and they wanted to get him healthy. He was fourth overall pick. You right. can't you can't just play this guy like a piece of meat because you want this guy in your lineup for the next ten years. So, um, it's interesting that he spent half the year at home. Um, got healthy. And now you look at him, and, and, and Van, you're, you bring up a great point. The way he carries and skates the puck out of the zone, it's like he, he's moving the – he was joining the rush on almost every occasion last night, and he, he's very difficult to play against. But, but what makes those guys hard to play against too is that they're able to catch the gap, right? Like, Van, you're saying they got to possess the puck into the zone. They can't dump it because they can't get a forecheck on them. 
The problem is those guys are so good at creating a gap that you have no time and space at the blue line. So you have no play except to chip it in behind them. And then it's like, yeah, you go and you waste your energy down on the forecheck. They make one little play and they're gone out the other way and they're joining. So you're back checking. By the time you get back into the zone, you have no energy. You're looking for a change. Like, so Perry, Colton, Paul, those guys are going to have a really tough series uh, against those guys because on the flip side, everyone looks at offensively that it's they join the rush, they make things happen offensively. Uh, you can't forecheck them because they make a good first pass, but it's also the gap that they keep within the neutral zone when they don't have the puck that you can't you can't skate it in the zone on them. You can't get in yeah. and make a play on them. It makes right. it really hard. You can't attack the team from the outside or, you know, in the neutral zone, somehow the center has to be the difference maker. He's, you know, or the D, just like we just talked about Byron McCarr, how they carry it through the middle and then they kick it out. I think Tampa has to find a way to explode the middle of the ice, make them come in and then kick it out and, you know, make plays like this because I don't think, you know, the Maroons and stuff, they're, they're awesome players, all of them, but I don't think the chip is going to work against that skating defenseman core. It's a great point because um, who's the next man up in, on the forward line in, in Tampa Bay that is not playing right now? Do we know? Do you have any well, idea? Who came, out with, who came out with point going in? Someone had to. There had to have been something there. I think they ran seven defense. Did they? Yeah. 11 and seven? Jesus, Gio, your brother's the your brother works for the team. You don't follow it that closely. He's Come a, on, he's a pro scout. I don't doesn't, have, like, doesn't he's not helper. He's not Jeff Helper on the bench. Text him right now, you, Gio. Gio. <laughs> Jesus, text him right now. Say we need some info. Who Must is be the next the, the, man in on the Tampa Bay forward line? And the reason why I asked this, <laughs> just add him to our fucking group chat. Whoever the kid is, whoever the kid is, though, he must be a difference maker since we none of us know him. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, listen, I, I mean, don't think there's the next man then so <laughs> they probably went fucking 10 and 6 I mean, you know, you know, you know who no they you know who didn't put anybody listen in. you know who it was it's uh riley nash right. riley nash there you go yeah he was he was a 13th forward or whatever and he played a game or two i don't know how many games he's played this playoffs but he's been in the lineup a few times so i think they have ribs i think you're right i think they've run 11 and 7 sometimes and when they haven't uh, Nash has been in Riley Nash. What type of player is he? Riley Nash. Yeah, he's like. Uh, Can he skate? Is he a skater? No, I mean he's not. Like he 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 moves okay. He's not super speedy. No. The reason why I'm asking this, but he can possess probably, the puck. He's got pretty good skills possessing the puck. Okay. The reason why I ask this is, you know, every every um, every series is going to be different, and. You know, I don't think there's any panic in Tampa Bay because uh, they went in in the first round and they played Tam uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and got absolutely spanked 5 nothing. Remember that? They followed up with a big game. They went into the Rangers in the third round. They lost that game 6-2, to two, got absolutely spanked, okay? Came into Colorado, lost a game in overtime. I don't think they played anywhere near their best game. I think they were very flat. My thought was watching the game, like, I uh, listen, I, I think Patrick Maroon has done phenomenal things, okay? But he looked like, an, like a 60-year-old skater out there. He is so slow. 
He was yeah. trying to forecheck the defenseman. I'm going to come to the defense back. of the big man here. The big, take it easy on the big man. Eh? The altitude affects us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, I, I think his game has been the same the last four years, though, and it's been effective. So yeah. I, I don't think you can point. I think yeah, his but game he's is effective when he has playing against guys on the other team where he can, you know, use his body and his verbal to, you know, get guys off their game and, and be that tough guy. And Colorado's lineup is not made up of those type of players. You're playing against very smooth skating players that right now it's not about toughness it's not about physicality it's about speed yeah and, but it, it's, and these it's, guys they have they have speed in the lineup everyone has speed in the lineup nowadays you know what i mean every okay, team so on you tell uh, me marner is, and matthews and those guys weren't a skating team no because he, he has to find a way to make himself a factor in the series and it's game 1 so he's got to find who he's going to grind the shit out of, who he's going to frustrate, and then when that he frustrates that guy, that guy comes back to the bench bitching, and then he's frustrating someone else. So that's how a Maroon is going to get himself into this series. He's going to engage someone. He's going to be able to get to somebody. Is it McKinnon and those guys? No, he's not going to skate with those guys, but he's going to he's got to find a way to disrupt somebody and something in the series to get himself in. And that's what I'm saying about, like, the first couple games is a feeling out period. And then all of a sudden, three, four, five, six, it becomes a real series, real matchups. Uh, you know, you know who you're going against, and now it becomes that chess match. What's your shit-eating grin over there, Van? Uh, I'm loving this because listen to this now. Before Tampa won back-to-back, right, Rev said, well... <laughs> They couldn't win because they had no toughness. And then look what they did. And now they went back to back. And now he wants to take out a tough guy and get faster. So two years ago, they couldn't, or three years yeah, ago, they couldn't you, win. You have to tough. understand in who you're playing. <laughs> you, love, you love throwing the contradiction. You love when you get him in oh, a no, it's just Every team is built differently. I don't think it's a, we said you, you said Tampa couldn't win two years ago when they got or three years ago when they got swept by Columbus because they didn't have any toughness. They were just quick and fast. Well, that's we just said that's what Colorado no, because is. Columbus's entire team were a bunch of muckers. Who was the top guy besides Panarin? Are you kidding were, me that year? They went and got Duchesne. They had they had a bunch of good players. Duchesne. Well, he ain't a mucker. Well, he, I, I, I don't look at Duchesne and put him in the same class as a stamp coach, Kucherov. They had uh, Dubois. They had Atkinson. They had a lot of skill. Dubois That's was a rookie. They had a bunch rookie of muckers on the team. He All the, guys were, were, he played in the ball. He played in the bubble that, that, that next. He, okay. Maybe he was a rookie, but he was good in the playoffs. He's a great player. He was. He was actually phenomenal. He was one of the best players in the playoffs that year, if I'm not mistaken. Everybody was talking about how amazing Dubois was. Sorry, go ahead. So that Columbus game, they were in a bunch of muckers. They were muckers. They were physical. The brand of hockey that they played from top to bottom, even the defense core that they had, they played a physical brand of hockey. They dumped and chased it. They knew exactly what they're doing. And Tampa Bay with their with their speed and skill couldn't couldn't handle that. They didn't have enough guys that knew how to play that style and they got beat by a by uh a, a you know 
by a team that shouldn't even, they barely made the playoffs that year. Columbus barely made the playoffs. Was that, was that the, was that the year you were there, Van 17, 18 or 18, 19? No, no, that was the year after. So 18, 18, 19. So yeah. Panarin, Atkinson, Dubois, Josh Anderson, Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski, Boone Jenner, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Nick Foligno. It's a pretty balanced team so far. Bunch of muckers sounds like. I don't. S- <laughs> they are because Bjorkstrand is not was not the same guy than what he was now. Bjorkstrand scoring twenty eight goals a year back then. He was a third line right winger that playing under Torts was a dump and chase guy. Felino was a dump and chase guy. Boone Jenner was a dump and chase guy. You had uh, Dubois was a rookie. He was a big kid. He could skate. He was a dump and chase guy. No, no he wasn't. Ever. I was there the year before. There was not the, the, he didn't dump one puck in. Panarin has never dumped the puck in. No, no, no. I'm not talking about Panarin. That's the one guy I said was not um, like that. He is a puck possession guy. But again, I was there the year at the end of the year with Torts, and I was the same way. Again, I thought it was going to be awful, and it was great. He was an awesome coach. He had, I mean, the Boone Jenner line, that was muck and grind. The other lines, he wanted making plays all over the ice. And I think that team was, even the year I got there, we lost to Washington. That's the year Washington won the Cup. I, that was a really good team, really deep team. I mean, Bobrovsky was the goalie. You had the goaltending. You had everything. That, that was not a muck and grind team, I don't think. But anyways, the whole point goes to they needed to get tougher, then they got tougher, and they win two cups, and now uh, they're gonna about to go back to back to back. But let's take the toughness out. We got to get quicker. <laughs> the guy can't skate. He can't skate, and he does a lot of good things on the ice. But every team, I wouldn't take I wouldn't take Maroon out against Tampa or uh, out uh, against uh, the Rangers because there's toughness in the lineup that needed to be addressed wouldn't have taken him out against the battle of florida because they had toughness in the lineup i wouldn't take him out against toronto either because toronto had wayne simmons they had guys that were if maroon wasn't there then wayne simmons would have been trying to take liberties but on on colorado who's their toughness who's their toughness on florida marchman who was running around that uh, Lomberg, who was running around, these guys were energy guys. You know, uh, um, Burnett. Burnett. He's out there smoking guys. He's, he's hitting guys. Bennett, after whistles. He's the guy say, that... Burnett was the coach. I thought you were talking about Michael him. Barnett, Gretzky's agent. <laughs> he's playing Racco, Racco Gudis was. He's a predator. You need to make sure that you can can keep an eye on these guys and keep them honest because if, no, I, I, I if get Maroon your point wasn't I, there, if he wasn't there, then you're going to have problems with Florida. But here's the thing. Colorado is a different engine. They're a completely different team in the West. They have just like you said, beautifully skilled guys and even their defenders. Okay. Are not like, you know, Jack Johnson and Eric Johnson are not nasty physical guys. Okay. They're going to play a, a strong brand of defensive physical hockey, but they're not, you don't have to worry about them. The whole entire team on Colorado, they're not built to fight, to, 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 to get into a fighting match. Okay. So when I look at, when I look at one thing you can do, you have to try and match the ability to, 
to, to skate with these guys because they're ultimately the best skating team in the league. And I watched Maroon, like, if he I, was on I, a forecheck, it was absolutely unbelievable that he is still in the league because he can't skate at all. But he's always been that way. Like, where he's effective, too, is below the dots at possessing the puck. Your Macars, your Byrams, you guys have to get the puck off his stick. They're exerting energy, getting it off of a big – that's why they call him the big rig, right? Like, they're yep. trying to get the puck off of him. So, part of his game is not forecheck. Yeah, it's finishing checks, but it's playing below the, the dot and and grinding their D down, right? Like, getting possession down there, holding possession, keeping possession, and continuing to do that, you know, shift after shift, game after game, and then you wear the, the D out that way. Not as in running them through the boards on the forecheck. I think where Maroon's going to be effective is if he can possess the puck below the goal line and make it hard on those D. And that's, that's the whole thing. If he can yeah, possess yeah, the puck sure. below the for goal sure. line. So Colton um, and uh, who's the the Bell, uh, Pierre Belmar or whatever. I mean, they have to do a better job of of getting the puck low so Big Rig can do his stuff. Because if if you're going to be chasing those D, I mean, he it's is gonna completely be a long useless. Yeah. Gio, when you won the cup, did you guys win game one or lose it? Uh, we won uh, game one. We won one and two, lost three, four, won five, lost six, won seven. It was all home, all the home. So there's no real, like, uh, momentum in a, in a finals, is there? I, there's momentum. It's more, right? Like, we, we had control of that series. We were up two games to none going into Anaheim, and we let it slip, right? And that's what happens, like – Little shit happens. Berdur comes out to play the puck. He drops his stick. It hits his butt end, goes through his leg. It was a dump in from the far blue line. You know what I mean? He's going out to play the puck. Now, all of a sudden, they win that game. They win game four. It's a tied series again. Like, it's... How do you, you balance you can't, you can't let You can't let the series get away from you in games one and two. You know what I mean? Like, you can't get... Uh, you can't lose your game. You can't lose your confidence... You need to try to split it no matter what, like come back 1-1. But those first two games of the series, I keep saying it, they're feeling out. You, you're trying to get a sense for what the series is going to be. And so it can go either way. You lose game one like we've noted that Tampa has done pretty much every series. It's okay. You come back, you bounce back game two, you hope you have your stuff, and then you're making it a series again. You almost wonder if teams play better with their backs against the wall, right? Well, you play a little more desperate. You know, like you're down two games to nothing. You certainly don't want to go down three nothing. So that game three is an important game for you. Right. But again, in my opinion, I mean, Tampa is just fine. I think John Cooper is a hell of a coach. It's a world-class team. They're going to, that coaching staff is going to make some adjustment. I'm, I'm sure Hedman's going to carry the puck more. I think Ryan McDonough has to carry the puck more. Bogosian's going to have to carry the puck more. And I think as they carry it out more, I think that the, you know, the, the Perrys, the Maroons, they can just, you know, stay at the far blue line and then <laughs> kind of join the, join the game. And they'll, they'll find their game. They, they'll make some changes and they'll be just fine, I think. I, I, don't, I still think the Avs are going to win at five just because I, I think they're world-class as long as their goaltending can be a little bit above average. But I think Tampa is going to be in every game. 
Yeah, you mentioned uh, coaching adjustments. We'll shift over here to some other talk around the NHL. John Tortorella, uh, one of your old coaches, in line for Philadelphia. Bruce Cassidy hired in Vegas. Uh, apparently, Trotz turned down seven million or something from Philly. Reportedly, I, that's rumor, speculation. I don't know if it's true, but you know, to me, I'll just say this: you guys can take it. I can't. I love John Tortorella. I love watching him on TV. I love his press conferences. I think he was a great coach in his time. I just can't believe he's getting another shot to coach. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I'm just saying I can't believe that we're not moving on past past an old school mindset like that. I don't know. I, I had him for as an assistant coach for world championships one time. Uh, actually a really good guy. Like, great guy. Like, um, so I don't know, but I feel like he's evolved his, his ways a bit, right? Like, I don't think he's stuck in the old Tortorella style that you, you think of, right? Like that I think of with the Rangers, maybe just sitting back, blocking shots at the dot, you know, throwing five guys in front of the goalie to try to block every shot. It depends what team. I think he adjusts with the teams that he has. Like he had skill in Le Cavier and St. Louis. He let those guys play. Like Van, you're saying that he let the top guys play there. I, I don't know whether he's going to be effective or not, but I'm just, I think it's, he's at least adjusted his style based off of the type of team he has, which for me, you can't throw something down a player's throat that's not his style right you you can't throw van into a dump and chase type of system and think he's going to be effective you know what i mean like yeah i i mean geo said it perfectly and and to p to your point i think if i wouldn't have played for torts i would have been right there with you i'm like wow we're recycling coaches again this is unbelievable there's so many good young guys out there give them a shot but having played for him he is awesome. I mean, he is a player's coach as a player's coach catch. But I tell you what, when you come to the rink and are going to practice and going for games, you are a little bit scared of him because his wires cross and he, you know, they cross and you play hard. You, you do play hard, but you don't play fearful. You just, you know, he's freaking, he's there. He's, but I think for that group, I think he'll be great because the flyers sucked, right? I mean, and I think they are going to suck. I think they're going to go younger. But I think, you know, the only thing I want to see is how does it, did it come out yet? How long the deal is like, he's not a guy I would give a four-year deal to. It's a two-year deal and see if he can get these young guys playing the right way. And then, you know, go from there. I don't think he's is a four or five year deal. Want? Is that the guy you want? Like he, he got hired for basically his first job, first head coaching job in the NHL. And that was in Tampa Bay. And they were, I mean, they were, you know, expansion team looking for some guidance, um, struggled a few years out of the gate. He built and built and, and the team built and they ended up winning a, a championship like four years into, into his tenure there. But uh, is, is he a guy that has evolved and has watched? Like he's taken a year off. Is he able to kind of sit back and, 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 and understand how you need to change a little bit and how you need to be more of a conversationalist? Than you know the whipping having a whip to whip these guys because it's it's changed since he came into the league and you know he's been coaching a very long time. First assistant coaching position was with the Buffalo Sabers in eighty nine ninety. 
you know, and then his first coaching job was, uh, you know, Tampa Bay in 2000, 2001. This guy's learned a lot. He's, he's seen a lot. He's seen the evolution of, of the style and uh, the, the person. Um, and, the great, and the great coaches are the ones that are able to coach their style but change a little bit to the type of a player that is coming into the league. And I think, I think. Okay, he's, so he's, so we all played in the league. Okay. If we're, if we're all on the Philadelphia Flyers or we're all on the Buffalo Sabres together and we are the Philadelphia Flyers record. So basically the Sabres for the last 12 years, what are we thinking? I'm thinking, Holy fucking torts. Uh Oh, depends I mean, what type, I, of, depends what type of player you are. If you're a player that goes and plays and does your stuff, Torch is going to be great for you. If you're a guy that wants to cheat and you want to, you, you, you don't want to be held accountable, I, I, you want to not be a good teammate, you want to be selfish, that's where Torch is going to call you out. Like, and so it, it is good to set that culture, right? Like he, I don't know, Van, you can speak to it better, but I, I feel like what I've talked with Callahan and, and those guys that have had him in New York, he can be hard. He can be a dick. He can be – but at the same time, you he, go and lay it on the line for your you, – you go and lay it on, on – what do you mean? Who's guys he a dick that, on? Well, guys that need to be called out on some of the shit they do. You're a bad teammate. You know, you're selfish. You're, you do something selfish on the ice or at practice or whatever it may be. That's where he's going to hold those guys accountable, and he wants a certain standard. So if I you mean, go and handle I can your only, stuff, I can only guys tell you. I mean, I lived it, right? I, I was with him for three months, and I was. I remember when I got the phone call from from Steve Bartlett that I'm going to Columbus. I was like, "Oh my God, I might just quit. I might not show up, Steve." <laughs> and he's like, "It won't be this bad. He's a good guy." Blah blah blah. Well, Bart's knows him really well, right? Right. So. He is. He was awesome. He is. He was. You know, in the media, he seems like a prick, but you know what? He does it to protect his players. Sure, he's going to call you out every once in a while. I mean, I remember one game, it, I, don't, I don't think it was my fault, the turnover, and I had many of those, believe me, and I can own up to all of them, and he freaking lost it on me, and I wasn't the guy to ever talk back to a coach, I would just take it, just because that was, you know, my way of thinking, I wasn't that type of personality to talk back to oh, coaches. Oh, we know, we, we've seen it. <laughs> right, so uh, I, didn't, I didn't say anything, I just nodded my head, I'm like, yep, yep, got it, yep, towards, yep, got it, blah, 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 the next day. He comes to me first thing in the morning, pulls me in his office and apologizes. He's like, I am so, he's like, it was not your fault at all. And I was like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's, you know, I mean, whatever. It is what it is. And he just moves on. He moves on. I mean, he yells at you and he moves on. And was he hard on a couple of those guys when I was there? I was like, yeah, but I lived that too with Lindy. Like he was hard on that Dubois, really hard. But not to, I think he was hard on him because the kid didn't realize how freaking dominant he could be. And I think Torch has, you know, because of his experiences, he knew that kid is special. That kid could dominate games. So he was all over him because... And now he's gone. And now he's gone, right? But I think he's gone as more of a contract issue or whatever, but uh, he's gone. But I think even if you ask him, I think he's going to be like, yeah, Torch was good for me. He, he taught him some good lessons, I, 100%. So I think, like, if Buffalo wouldn't have a coach right now, I think he would have been a great hire for that team. So I, I, I have no problem with the Flyers. You think Dubois realizes that after the fact, how good 100%. George was? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
not during when it's pressure right. time and stress time and all that stuff. Right. And, I mean, okay. I, I, and I remember I was there and I was telling, he was, a, he's a great kid, great player. And I would tell him, I'm like, I I've done this. I've been, I've been you, you know, it's okay. I said, don't take it so hard. I said, I wish I could have not taken it so hard 15 years ago. And I think you he say did that realize that. I did. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because, you know, I mean, that was at the stage of my career where I was trying to help those guys, especially guys who want to get better. And he was one of those guys, but he didn't understand in games how physically dominant, like he is a big, big kid. And sometimes he didn't use a size, but the, the next year in the playoffs, when I watched him, I'm like, that's what Torch wanted. I mean, he was dominant. I mean, he was scoring in the bubble. He was scoring hat tricks left and right. I mean, he was, he's great. He's a, he's an unbelievable player. Hmm. It's interesting to hear. Um, but going back, sorry, to Cassidy, that was, I, I did not expect that. I didn't see that coming at all. I don't know why. The firing or the hiring? The hiring. I, I did not. But I didn't think it was Vegas. Vegas? Was yeah. Did it was Vegas? Yeah. I went through his coaching. I think that's a really good spot for him. I, I do too. I think so. Like, why? Because he's, well, he, he like, he's got a great he, team. Yeah. He's got some skill. He likes skill. He likes guys that make plays. He'll give those guys some freedom. You know what I mean? Like, if he trusts you, he gives you the freedom. Like, look at Bergeron, Marshan, Pasternak. Like, look at those those years that they had underneath him is that they were able to make the plays. Yeah, he'll call he'll, – he'll say stuff, and he doesn't like guys that just fucking rip it down and ice it. Like, he wants you to make a play. And so he's going to have a good team to be able to do that there. And the, the players will have some confidence underneath them. Well, I was just going to say, like, I, I looked through and I, I realized in Boston, he went, where did he go, third round or something? Was that the furthest he went? I oh, can't they remember. went to the finals. He went to the finals. What year finals. did he go to the finals? The year they lost to uh, Chicago. To. No, it wasn't Chicago. No, he wasn't was there before. then. No, no, yeah. it's just now, just a couple years ago. They are in the yeah. finals a few years back. They were? Yeah. yeah. Right before... I guess who? Before Tampa, who won? Who? Uh, well, it was. I can't think of it either. Third round, maybe? No, no, they finals. went to the finals. In the finals, Riv, Riv, was he in the finals? In the finals. <laughs> That's he was the wrong in the guy finals. to ask. So, asked okay, that. so listen, it's 2019. I'm going to DB pre-pandemic, right 2019, yeah. the year after I was there. That's okay. my call right now. They went yeah, to the finals. Yeah, it is. Bruce Cassidy. So what year? 2018-19? Lost yeah. in the finals. Shit. Who won that year? Tampa? They're in the same conference. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, did, it didn't matter two years ago when Tampa played no, Montreal. Didn't. No, that was, that was Who the hell did this they lose so to? This is unbelievable brain cramp here. I throw, your, throw your six computers to work, Rivs. Let's go. <laughs> Who did they it's lose to? It's a quick to? search. Who, Who won, won the cup in 2018-19? The year before it was Washington. Yeah. St. Louis. St. Louis. St. The Louis. Blues. Oh, God. God. Jesus. Sabres handed that one to him with Ryan O'Reilly. Um, how about our boy Millsy, eh? Number 30 going to the rafters here in Buffalo. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You know, really I, cool. I, I, I only played with two goalies uh, in my career, Berdur and Miller. But, I mean, in his time here... <laughs> Not a bad couple of goalies. Not a bad couple. And you know what? A couple times I owned them both in practice. But the fact of the matter is that my time here in, in Buffalo, Millsy was unbelievable, man. 
Like Millsy, that's quite an honor. Your number being retired. There's no question. Like that's they don't do that that often here. No, I, the only thing. I mean, I'm not shocked and surprised at all. I mean, he deserves it. I mean, he was what he did, not just for the team, but the person he was for the community. I mean, he was just. He's great, right? The only thing, what what I don't understand, because growing up, I was a big Hasek fan. For some reason, I liked the goalie. And how is he not in the rafters? Is he not in the rafters? I, I thought Hasek, is he not? He, he might have gone up last year. I don't year. think so. If he's not, for sure. I don't think like he, he is. should have been before Miller, but I think he's up there. I feel like I, I saw his name up there. No. I hope he is. I I. I I don't know. Maybe, maybe they did it in the pandemic when there was no one in Research the building. Guy. <laughs> Research guy. I, I, think think he's, he I think he's up there. Gilbert Perot, Rick Martin, Rennie Robert, Tim Horton, Danny Gare, and Pat LaFontaine. Pat LaFontaine. Yeah. Uh, the Sabres retired number 39 jersey prior to January to a January 13, 2015 game against the Wings. I actually remember this because the ceremony was completely, completely embarrassing for a player of that magnitude, okay? We're talking about, like, arguably not just one of the greatest Sabres, maybe one of the greatest players to ever play in the NHL. And I do remember, that's why you missed it, man, because the the ceremony, it was pretty embarrassing. That's that's one thing I do remember. But Millsy, man, so I they mean. Did? So, so they, they did? did? Yeah, they yes. did it. In, yeah. Okay. Yeah, All right. So his, good. His numbers retired. Yeah, right. I, I don't think Millsy would go up ahead of Hashik, although he does have more wins, but that's, you know, shootouts and shit like that too. But, but anyway, you know, I mean, I just, I look and I think, you know, what an honor, what an honor for a guy. You played with him too, didn't you, Gio? Or no, was he? No, I never played with him. I played against him in college and uh, he was at Michigan state then. Yeah. All right. So no, I never played with him. He was in town the other day. We were, we got a chance to see him, and then the uh, the announcement went out the next day that he was uh, his number was being retired. So, I don't know. It's it's pretty big news for for here in Buffalo. There are a lot of people that are that are excited. You know what? About you know what's great by it is that the generation that's still watching now can really relate with Millsy. You know what I mean? Like some of these young kids can't relate with Hasek. They can't relate with Gare. Nothing. You know. LaFontaine, like all deserving. What I'm saying is I think that's part of what you need to do as an organization is keep it some active alumni, some active guys that are can make it into those Hall of Fames or numbers retire for your organization that the new generation of, of fan can really relate to. Oh, I remember watching Millsy when I was 10 years old or what, you know, like some of these eventually are not going to be able to say that, you know? So it's, I think it's great for the organization to have someone like that recently retired get up really quick. Do we see him? I got a question for Vanner. Did did you, were you ever um, nominated for the, the Hobie? No, no. How the hell do you not get 31 goals, 33 assists, 62 points in 45 games, your first year, College, yeah, they, they didn't like. Like, who's the guy who won that year? I don't even know. I well, actually, I shouldn't say they didn't like Europeans because I did think a European won it. <laughs> I think Peter Peter Senya played at Colorado College. He was the most dominant college player that I ever played against. He was unbelievable, and I think he he played probably less than a hundred games in the NHL. What year did you graduate, Van? 
I'm still working on the graduation part. But, oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, I was there. Wait, 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 I should have said what years were you at Mini? Sorry. <laughs> 02, 02 to 04. Okay. So, yeah, I think Peter Sainer won it that year. And he was, like I said, he was, he was Yarmir Yager to me. He was thick, big, strong, went to St. Louis and didn't play. And then went to Europe and had a great career, I think, in, over in the KHL in Switzerland. Why? Why don't those guys translate into the league, you think? I don't get it. I, I can tell you, though, it was my freshman year, and then I get drafted, and Peter Senior signed in St. Louis, and he doesn't, and he looks horrible. And I'm like, if this guy can't play in NHL, I got, I got no shot. I remembered, I'm like, I need to work on my game a lot more to make it. It was you know, crazy. I've asked you this a bunch of times. You, you won the Hobie? No, three-time finalist, bud. Never won it. Who won it your years? Uh, let me think through. So, Miller, Motto, Mike Motto, Chris Drury. Can't think Wait, of the fourth year. You Drury was already gone by the time you won it. Uh, no, I Not played against him, man. Sophomore. I played against him. I played you played against, against Drury. Drury at school? Yes, BCBU. Him and Greerzy. Yep. You did? What year was that? Yes, I like, did. In 97, 98 for sure. Really? And it was your last year. Well, my last year was 2001. So did, did Leopold win it that year? No, that was Miller, won it in 01. So Leo must have won it in 2000? 02. Leo win it in 02. Would he have been there in 02? Maybe. Uh, he, Chris Jury in his second year had, yeah. in 37 games played, he scored 35 goals and 67 points. Not. Uh, Jason. Uh, then he won Rookie of the Year and the Cup Blake? in the same year. Krog won it. Oh, yeah. UNH. He won it also. So those Jason were the Krog? four years. Of, yep. Played against him in the minors too. He was a hell of a player. I gotta man. confirm it. He he was, he was really good in the minors. Him and Hadar or whatever. And then they could never just put it together. If I'm not mistaken, I feel like did he play for the Chicago Wolves? Uh who, Hadar or no, Krog? Krog. Or yeah, Jason Krog. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he Krog, did. I think he yeah, played yeah. for the Chicago Wolves. And Darren Hadar was was unbelievable too. Was he in Milwaukee, maybe? I think uh, he was. Probably. Yeah. yeah, I I, I Definitely. But yeah, I mean, Millsy in the rafters, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to um, buy a ticket and come and watch it. To buy a ticket. I think the are you coming in, though? You're going to come into town for it? Oh, for sure. I'm going to come in. I'm not going to miss that. Yeah, good. It's going to be great. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun. So are we uh, Are we thinking Tampa Bay can win game two? They have two games in between the in the game here before we let you guys go. Two days in between the game. Can they win it? For sure they can. I, I still I, I just I'm not I'm not jumping off the AFS bandwagon. So I think AFS will win game two. I think they'll still take they'll win one in, in Tampa and then they'll close it out at home in game five. I'm hoping it goes to six or seven, but that's that's what I think is gonna happen. I think Tampa will I have Tampa. What do I have? Tampa win in seven? Is that what I had on the Yep. I think it's gonna be a heck of a series. And I have some research. I couldn't wait around for ribs. We have Chris Drury, 98, Jason Krog, 99, Mike Motto, 2000, Ryan Miller, 2001, Leopold, 2002, Senya, 03, 
Junior Lessard, 04. Yeah. Man, I can't believe they won't give you an honorary degree from the University of Minnesota. Scoring the everyone. national championship. Going goal. back to school, baby. Gotta, are you actually are you actually taking classes right now? No, but I will start in September. Do a yeah, couple online. I, not not that I, I I mean I respect you for doing it, but why? Because I main reason is because I want to keep my options open. I do enjoy coaching. I I don't know if I ever want to coach pro hockey, but college hockey maybe. And I think a lot of schools to coach, you got to have a degree. Well, Danny Bye is coaching at Canisius. Well, not every school. Not every school. Oh, no, 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 but they it. do. Like like Pandolfo, that's why he didn't get the job at BU to start because he didn't have it. Yeah. Um, Granado in Wisconsin. Like, right, he had to go a, back. That was a big thing. He had to basically to take the job, say he was taking classes and get his degree, and he did. He just got it a year or two ago. You know, so it's a – it's a real thing mm-hmm. for college. Imagine being a freshman at university. You walk in, there's Tony Granado sitting next to you <laughs> taking a test. There's something too, Van, and the guys who have um, gone back and got their degree. I know that Kevin Adams did that uh, after he re- he retired, right? Um, there's a lot of guys that, uh, I mean, it's self-satisfaction too, right? I mean, 100%. I mean, I, I did take some classes you know, I think the last three years that I played because I just had time. So I was, you know, so I'm, I'm about 40 credits away. So nothing crazy. 40 credits? Yeah, I was going to say, what is 40, 40 credits? 40, 40 a couple more years. How many of credits do you get per class? Eight or nine? Well, so uh, at, well, at, at Minnesota, oh, like, each year, you, you got you to gotta have 120 credits to graduate. So if you four years, you go 30 a year, 15 a semester. So it's a little bit over a year. So what do you have to do to get one credit? Well, it depends what class. I mean, if you take a science class, then it's a four credit class. If you take a racquetball, then it's a one credit class. This is OHL versus college, eh, Riv? <laughs> right. <laughs> the screen is even divided in a mind. It is. <laughs> one side and see you know the, you know, the, the crazy thing about it, too, though, um, you know, obviously I would never want to turn back time because I, I, uh, I had my path and I, you know, am very pleased with how it all turned out. But, uh, if I ever had to do it over again, ever there, there is literally a hundred percent chance that I would want to go the, the, the college route, you know, just on for so many factors. Um, but, uh, I mean, at, at the age of 20, when, when uh, you know, many of those guys are still playing hockey at the highest level in junior ranks and, and, uh, and, and getting their education for life after hockey, you know, we were in the minors. I was in Fredericton, you know, basically going to the rink in the morning and doing my stuff and then spending literally, you know, the next eight hours playing Sega Hockey 92, you know, it, uh it, it, it's a, it's a very it's going different to class way. any day in my view, but I mean, Hey, well, I've, but I think the great thing about college hockey is I think it's, it's grown. I mean, pr- I mean, just wait, given another five, seven years and all of a sudden, you know, the North Carolinas, the Dukes, like all these basketball schools are going to go in and go D one. And it's going to be, I mean, and you need more schools because nowadays you, you go, I mean, Gio knows it perfectly. He coaches junior, senior kid. I mean, 
there are so many good hockey players. And you, I mean, you can go anywhere now and yeah. compete. And it's, it's amazing to see. So, I so mean, it's for athletes. Great. What was the requirement for your SATs? I remember I got name right or what? But Gio, what did you get? He's probably. I think I got like a no. I got like a ten fifty. I think I didn't do great on my SAT. That's still pretty. That's still pretty good. I got. How many times did you write it? Because you can write it. I did it twice. So you you can you you take it as many times you want, and it takes the best scores combined scores. So if you did better on one portion in the first test and then the third time you took you did better on the other section they take your best of each section and put your best score together so i i think i was like a 1050 but at that point i had I'd met the requirement to get into bc so i wasn't going to take it another time yeah, right so. but what, what was your requirement they say get an 800 and you're in no no would you no you it's like uh it's a combination with like your grades and, GPA, yeah, you know, it's it's not like uh, you just got to get this. It's dependent on what your grades are. Uh, clearly, what the school will accept. You know what I mean? So, if you could yeah. only get an eight hundred, depending on what recruit you are, I'm sure there's different requirements for different schools. Right. I mean, I took the SATs, and I remember I got a, I think it was a twenty one or twenty two. So it's nothing, nothing special. And I got my results back. And at the time, I was in Sioux Falls playing junior hockey in the USHL. And Bob Motzko, who's the coach at, the, at Minnesota now, he was my head coach. And I walk in his office. I'm like, coach, I got my results back. I got up 21, 22. And he, I'm like, do I have to do it over again? Or is this good enough? He goes, I'll never forget this. He goes, kid, the way you play hockey, you can go to Harvard with 21. I'm like, sounds good. I'm never taking it again. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it was, there had, like, I, I just there has to be there has to be with I mean we hear the stories all the time but I mean the the favoritism towards student athletes I mean come on there's a different standard you're not getting into your Harvards you're not getting into your BCs you're not getting into these top schools as an athlete like a normal student is there's no way it's 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 not and you can call it whatever it is, but that's the reality that it, you, I wasn't getting a 1400 on my SAT to get into a freaking school that picks and chooses every top student in every school across the country. Like it's, I wasn't that kid. I was a B student with a thousand SAT score. 1050. And, and you could, yeah. And you could have chosen a lot of different schools to go to even Harvard probably. That's amazing. Correct. That's I, I I I'm with you, Riv. I would have gone back. I would have gone to college, if you know, hundred percent. I remember I was playing in a rookie tournament in Guelph, and a scout from Harvard walks up to my dad. And he's like, "Hey, I'm so and so from Harvard." My dad just starts laughing at him, <laughs> like, like, no, listen, he's he's a smart kid, but he's not exactly driven in school. You know what I mean? So like, I, we think it's best that he's going to go to the Ontario. I think college hockey. I mean, I mean, it was great when Gio played. It was really good when I played, but I think you look at it now. I mean, I remember when I played in old two, I think we, there was maybe only seven Europeans that played college hockey. You look at college, the landscape now, how many Canadians play, how many Europeans. I mean, it's, I think I saw a stat one time. There was like 60 or 70 Europeans that play college hockey. 
And it's those numbers are only going to grow because it's a good product. Well, if I were back going back, Riv, you want to turn the clock back? If I'm going back, I'm going to grind eh, a tad bit harder in school and I'm going to ASU. <laughs> okay. Like, I don't give a shit who you are, or you could come at me, Bob Motzko. You can come at me, you know, the guy, Jerry York. I don't care who you are. I'll see you at ASU. Not yeah, a bad I mean, spot. Why would And again, that, that whole West Coast, give it, like I said, give it five, seven, maybe 10 years. That whole West Coast, it's coming. I mean, the USC's, you know, and that. So on and so the San Diego states. I mean, they're all. Do you talking believe about, they're going to have D one hockey programs there? They should. I mean, how? I mean, I mean, North Carolina. They have a club team, and I think there's twenty five, three thousand students that go to those games. Like, there's no reason not to go. I mean, they're all going to go. The Tennessees, the Auburns. Like, eventually, it's just a matter of you know finding a donor and finding another Terry Pagula, get a sixty million. I mean, Sioux Falls, Augustana College, they're going D1 next year. How many D1 colleges in hockey are are presently running? God. I, 60s? I, in the 60s? That would be my guess in the mid-60s, 65, 66. And I mean, all, that, that number is just going to continue to rise. Of those 66 schools, though, how many of them are like the top, top tier? How many, how many top tier most desired schools are there for hockey? I, I think that's what's changed. I mean, when I played Michigan State, you know, even when Geo played, Michigan State was a great program. You haven't heard from Michigan State. You know, did BC even make it this year to the? No. No. I mean, it's, it's you're seeing smaller schools getting like better and better because and they like recruit that. Canadians. They recruit Europeans. They, and, and, you know, better American players now. A lot more better American players. So Some schools 60, are bringing in 60 schools. Players. 60 on the button. 60 on the button? That's what it says on this quick search. Some schools, some schools bring in guys that are like 21, 22 years old. They bring in all older kids. Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, the, because- the average age right now of a D1 hockey player, uh, a D1 freshman is 20.7 years of age. That's the average age of, of a D1 hockey player. You know, you're, you're going to junior at 17, 18, 19. Some of them even go to 20. And then, and then you're going to a, a lot of these players are going to D1 when they're 20 and 21 years old. Okay. And the product is, you know, it's men's hockey. It's not kids. These guys are 23, 24 years old. They're men. Right. I mean, I mean, uh, Casey Middlestad is a perfect example, right? I mean, I watched him his freshman year at the U here in Minnesota and then he signs. I'm like, that kid's going to struggle. If you can't be dominant at the college level, I don't think you're ready for pro hockey. And I don't think he was. I think he should have stayed at least another year. Did, did that have something to do with the coach? Did the coach change or something? I, f- I feel like something happened there where he, he, he was going to leave or something, wasn't he? I don't think, no. Same coach no. was there. Nothing. I mean, well, I think that's that, the idea so the other of getting kids, Casey Middlestat into the Buffalo Sabres system. And at the time, I think... If you look back, I think Casey had like 30 points in like 33 games or something like that. It wasn't even a point a game. I, you know, I look at your statistics. I look at geo statistics over the course of their, your career in, in, uh, in D1, you guys, I mean, shredded it. It was, it was incredible. And I looked at Casey Middlestad and, and this is, 
and no dis, you know, I'm I'm not looking to disrespect Casey Middlestat, but he also, you know, a year before went to an NHL combine and couldn't do one chin up. Okay, right. and, and and listen, I, that t- it's not taking anything away from his skill set and his hockey IQ because we saw that on display at the World Cha- uh, the World Junior Championships, right? Where I think it, I I think he was uh, the MVP, MVP of the tournament. Forward, yeah. But this is a young man that still was not physically developed. Okay, he needed a lot of work to be able to play at the NHL level, and he got, I think, thrown into the fire a little bit too quickly. Well, my my whole point is, and and all of us have coached youth hockey. I mean, I've coached the last three years, and I love it and whatever. But the biggest thing is with parents and kids, it's it's the the the, the quickness or the rush to move up the next level, the next level. Where I'm always like, you know, I, I know my son made one team and I didn't let him make it because I'm like, he doesn't need to play there. What's the rush? Play with your age. Dominate that age. Move on to next year. And I think sometimes then we, you know, we, we said it before too with agents, you know. I mean, agents sometimes push their players to get a cut, to get paid. So, I mean, Casey Mills, I'm not, I'm not begging him at all because he is a fantastic player. I like the kid. He's smart in this, but... There's nothing wrong with staying in school. Like I got another example right here that Matthew Nice, he's a Toronto second round pick. I mean, they wanted to sign him for the playoffs and he is, he's really, really good. But I thought he made the best decision by staying because you know what? Next year he's going to play more minutes, play bigger minutes, get stronger. And then next year he's going to go into Toronto and in my opinion, have a legit shot of making that team right away. And Does some of that have to do with Van, though, now that college kids can get endorsements and make some money while they're doing it? So it's like they're not jumping out of college to go play pro, or is that just – does that not apply here? Again, I, I, I guess that, I don't yeah. know. I don't think in hockey – that's not it's, okay. not it's not college football. I think in hockey you yeah, – yeah. I, I, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. I just didn't know. Yeah, I wasn't No, sure. I think that's just, uh, you know, a I don't think it's kid, to that level agent. yet. Yeah, I don't think it's to the level that they're getting money enough to make a difference that way. Well, let me ask you the last question before we uh, get going here because we've been on here for a while. When you're talking about, you know, dominating a level, um, you had J.J. Paterka that came to his first year, first year pro. He was 19 years old, okay? He goes and plays and has a season that was fantastic. It was basically a point a game in the minors. Is that something where you would let him marinate one more year in the minors as a 20 year old, or is he ready for the NHL with those types of statistics? I don't, I I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't watch the kid enough. I don't watch any Rochester Americans hockey. So I don't know. All I do know is that the HL is a great step. It's a great league, but it ain't the NHL. It's still a big jump. So I don't know. I think, I think ultimately, yeah, ultimately you have to figure out where they're at and where you have a good year, but how do you rebound? What's your camp like? I think it's an instance where if he has a, a good camp, not a great, if he has a good camp, you, you play some of the minors and make them, it may, it may last 10 games, but you send him down and you see where his game's going to be, how it's going to rebound the next year. You know, There's nothing wrong with taking that time. And it's not a slight to the kid. Like, he had a good year. Let's see what you can do now. Hey, there might not be a spot. Force us 
to make a move to get you a roster spot. You know, like it's the Derek Roy effect. Send him down at the start of camp. He gets 20 points in eight games and bring him up. He never goes back. Right. Yep. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's just, it's again, he's 19, 20. And that, that's my whole point. I think nowadays with these kids, the mentality is different. They think they have, you know, one good year. They even at the NHL level, I've seen it, you know, my last few years when I played, they scored 20 goals and they want an eight year deal. It's 8 million. I'm like, and a lot of them do get it because they got paid on potential, but it's, it's crazy to me. Like you gotta, it's okay to not rush them. You know, it's go, go down there again next year and score 50. Yeah. And you know, the guy that I think about when this happens, um, it happened in Pittsburgh and this was a number of years ago. Um, they had a high profile player, um, that was coming out of, that was coming out of college that, uh, that played exceptionally well in college. Um, good enough to probably play for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but they sent this player down. This player played the first 33 games in the American Hockey League, had 21 goals and 42 points. He was plus 21. They called him up. He, I think, if, I think he scored a hat-trick in his first game or scored in his first game. I know that for a fact. Played 40 games for the Penguins that year, 16 goals, 33 points, and that was Jake Getzel. And they wanted him to earn it. Probably good enough to play on the team right out of camp, but they wanted to do it the right way. They wanted to say, listen, you will earn what you are going to receive. Jake Getzel went down with a great attitude and uh, kicked ass in the minors, got called up, and he's I'm certainly never looked back with uh, what he's doing in Pittsburgh right now. I can tell you because he lives about two minutes away from me. I'm good buddies with him. We golf together. The reason that worked is because Jake is a good kid. He didn't never expect it to go and play. He went in just, I'm going to play pro hockey, see what happens. Yeah. And he gets sent down. No big deal. He goes and plays his game. And he's, I mean, I always knew he was a good player. I didn't see this coming. I mean, he is dominant. I, in my opinion, I mean, he makes plays look, I know everyone credits Crosby, but I think they work together as a team and they're, they're terrific. So, but again, that's, that's, that's a kid with the right attitude. You know, that's, he never expected to be in the Penguins. He just went in there and sent down whatever and play my game in the minors and 40 goals in 84 points this year, Vanner in 76 games, pretty, uh, pretty impressive player. And, uh, you know, only, uh, Seems like he's only getting better. Twenty-seven years old. Yeah, he's yeah. He'll he'll be good for the next ten years. Twenty-seven's fucking old, isn't it? <laughs> Might as well write him off. <laughs> Twenty-seven. He's past his prime. See ya. <laughs> Last thing I will say today: a big congratulations to our friend here, Jay McKee, on the OHL championship. And the Hamilton Bulldogs going to the Memorial Cup. Cheese was a guest on our show not long ago. Vanner, I know you play with him. Gio, I'm sure you know him. I've met him around here, right? Yeah, I met him. I don't never uh, play with him or anything yeah. more than just meeting him around. Well, he's uh, he's coaching in Hamilton this year, and uh, they just won the championship yesterday, Game Seven against Windsor. So uh, we wish him luck, and he's gonna he's gonna come back on with us here before they head to the to the Mem Cup. So big achievement. Be interesting to see yes, if you is. get, you know, you get, be interesting to see you, you, all these coaches that are still in limbo. And you wonder, we had Elliot on and Mark Savard, who is coaching Windsor, apparently is, is uh, 
in high demand by some teams. And apparently Jay McKee's getting some looks too. So you wonder if it's not just the trots domino to fall, if it's not the junior hockey domino to end as well. Right. So be very interesting, but congrats to Jay and uh, good luck in the Mem Cup. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's for me, it's always fun to see guys you played with and they're still in the game and do fun. I think it's awesome. I think it's great. And it's um, happy for Jay and hopefully they can win it all. And it's only a matter of time when he's going to go to the big show. No question. Boys, awesome as usual. Awesome as usual. Gio, that picture to your right, is that you or is that your kid? I can't tell. That's, that's, uh, that's Adam. So that's <laughs> him carrying the flag. Fuck you. <laughs> Sorry, can we say that on this? <laughs> I showed uh, you those. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I almost feel like with that corner, I feel like you only played for the Habs. <laughs> like, this is the corner. My my Buffalo corner is real small. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, but you got a you got a silver stick from Buffalo, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I'm joking. No, I got all. It's all scattered throughout the house. This is the one corner. It's one team per floor. <laughs> one team per house. Oh, <laughs> Holy fucking boom! So that would be Jersey, then Montreal, then Buffalo, then Boston. That was it. So four. You got four houses. Yeah. Uh, Van, you got ten houses. Yeah, I got to build a couple more. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't say it, you fucking asshole. It's nice to be wanted, Petey. I don't need that shit today. No, no, no. All right, it's I don't, fine. I don't. It's fine. You had a good five year run. It was fine. Six. <laughs> Six. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, fuck. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.